that we need sugar-free items too. He said he would pour on the money if we had sugar-free stuff. So, bring it. He said at least a thousand dollars that he'd bring just himself. Well, we need some sugar-free stuff too to be able to bid on. So, please, uh, please consider that as you bake this week. If any of you are bakers for sugar-free stuff, that'd be great. So, uh, keep that in mind. Also. Um, we uh, set a goal at the uh, leaders' meeting to, what happened? Step away from the mic. Over here, how's that? <clears throat> Very good. Then, like I said, we're working out the kinks. But uh, we decided at the leaders' meeting yesterday to set a goal for the carpets, chairs, and so forth to be the end of September on the 29th. Try to have it all completed and everything done, if that's, if that's at all possible. So we're shooting for that goal anyway. For sure, if we don't set a goal, we'll hit it every time. But we're going to try to try to do it by the 29th. Uh, we've got uh, enough money for 85 chairs. We'd like to buy eight, uh, 150, so we could use a little bit more to help in that respect. Uh, there's a three-week turnaround before you order. By the time you order the chairs to get them delivered, we need to know what kind of carpet we're putting down first. And we've got uh, uh, some ladies going out this week to look at that. And so hopefully there's going to be some of those. We've got some progress ahead in that uh, we've taken up the carpet in the foyer. Uh, that happened yesterday, and so uh, came up uh, rather much easier than we thought it would. So uh, it came up, and uh, I asked Terry this morning if we need to remove the glue, and he said, no, the grinder will take care of that. So praise the Lord for that. So anyway, uh, we'll probably be needing, not probably, we will be needing some help to uh, when we get ready to move the carpet in here. We'll have to take up the pews and move them around a little bit to get the carpet out and in in here. So <clears throat> be listening for that. Ed Wilson will give you a uh, heads up on when that needs to happen also. Um, I, I want to mention to you something uh, that we've had brought to our attention, a benevolent need of, uh, of a person that attends our church and wondered if you would be willing to help with that. Uh, I can't go into too great a detail. There's some utility costs and so forth uh, involved, some rent costs involved, somewhere close to $800. Uh, obviously, that would be a, a big, huge thing if we raise that much money at one time, and I'm not asking for that. But what I want to do is while we're singing the first song, with Dan's leading us in the first song, uh, could I get some men to come, and we'll just pass the offering plate. And this offering... That, that we're going to take right now will be to address the, the benevolent need that's been brought to our attention. So if you feel led to give uh, in that respect as the plate just comes by, if you want to drop something in there, that would be great. If you don't, don't worry about it. We will also take our general fund regular offering then a little later in the service. But we wanted to go ahead and do that this morning. I want to mention that need to you. You've been great to respond to those types of needs in the past. So if I could get three or four men to come up and just help us with that uh, right quick, we're going to pass the plate for that. And uh, uh, let's pray before we do. Father, thank you for this offering that's going to be received. And, uh, Lord, I just know that it's going to be a, uh, a benevolent heart gift from the folks that place money in this plate. And, Lord, we know that it's going to go to a good situation and help the person that has a need that has arisen. And, Father, we love you, and we're just going to praise you ahead of time. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple other things before I turn it over to Dan. On the edge of your bulletin is the registration form. Be sure and uh, tear it off. Uh, mine, I, never, I have a hard time tearing it. <laughs> 
But anyway, fill that out for us so we'll have a record of your attendance today. If there's a prayer need that you want us to be aware of, that's on the back. Be sure and fill that out as well. Tonight we'll be again out at Steve and Shelley's. Uh, and so on the back of this, if you would write down, uh, write down Burnham's and how many and a number. So we make sure we've got enough uh, meat, uh, hamburgers and hot dogs for everybody. And so bring all the, bring all the side items that you usually do. And uh, I really appreciate Steve and Shelly opening their home to us. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful time to fellowship out at their house. You swim. There's just a lot of things you can do. But the best part is just eating and having a great time with fellowship together. So we'll be doing that tonight at uh, uh, 5, 30, 6 o'clock out at their house and uh, off the All right? Uh, let me make sure I've got to so, see. So Ethan, you got any quick announcements? Where do you go? Ethan, you got any? And how important is that meeting? Mandatory. How important was that meeting, James? Mandatory. <laughs> Mandatory. Megan, how important was that meeting? Mandatory. Jenna? Mandatory. Sarah? I'm not going to be there. It's mandatory. Don't tell me if you're not going to be there. Mandatory. Okay. Janelle, how important was that meeting? Mandatory. Right. I just want to make sure we got that. I'm out of here. All right, church. Let's all stand and read together God's Word. All right. Psalm 113, 1 through 3. Praise the Lord. Praise our servants of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. In the rising of the sun is the place where it's set. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Let's read that again.
and we give to you our week. We give to you our lives. Lord, take us and, and receive us and receive our praise. God, we just ask and pray that it will be received as a sweet aroma and that we would just be honest with you, Lord, as we consider you today in your son's awesome name. Amen. stay standing for this one too because what we're going to do is shake some hands somewhere in the middle of this song. We're going to go down some good old country gospel that we've done a few times. Have some fun.
tells me I am his own. I love that. And I'm going to tell you something else. We need to tarry in the garden with the Lord. And we need to talk with him. And he'll talk with us. And he's a good listener. Because 
He came from heaven to earth. And uh, He went from earth to the cross and from the cross to the grave and from the grave to the sky. And now He's there for us, interceding for us in order that we might be able to come to God. So the Lord's Supper Supper, is rightly a picture of humans doing what He says to remember Him. And the world around us will see that, I hope, and understand that we have the faith that He is the Savior. And He did come. And He atoned for our sins that we might have forgiveness and have a place with Him when He comes back to get us. That means that we need to grow closer to Him. That means that we need to come and be around His table. And we need to be touched by His presence and have that communion with Him. And that's what we're having this morning. Collectively, we're here to have communion and hear the Lord's Word preached and and have it enter our hearts and our minds, but we will individually and collectively commune with Him. And our hearts ought to be right and we ought to be receptive and we ought to understand that He gave His all that we might have forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. The emblems, of course, will be passed. He is the host. We are the servers. He is the star. We're just His children. And we understand what He's talking about when He says, Take, eat. This is My body. Take, drink. This is blood that was shed for you and also a covenant between Him and us. And so, let us bow our heads and pray. Father in Heaven, we're so grateful, so grateful that You loved us so much that You sent Your only begotten Son that we might have forgiveness of our sins and the promise of eternal salvation. Let us never forget that even though we're away each day, from the table or maybe even the church. Individually, we are representatives of the church and we still have you inside of us. And as we understand this, we pray that it speaks not only to us, but is a a sign to the world that really, really doesn't care too much about that. That they will need him and want to be a part of the church. Bless the emblems for what they are intended. Bless us as we partake. Bless us in our goings and coming this day to represent Him and the church. Amen.
You know, <clears throat> giving is a blessing. And if you don't believe that's so, you need to open the book. It's not only a blessing, but God says to do it. And you don't need money, but He wants our hearts to be in tune with Him, lest we go astray and begin to make another God of some of these earthly things. And it's not only a blessing to the person that gives, but it's also a blessing to those who receive. Blessing this morning will be placed on this need. And as it, as it is accepted, it will be a thankfulness to the one or ones who receive it. And that is a blessing. And it's like saying thank you to God. So there's so many, so many things. There's many places in the Bible that it mentions giving. And you might ask ourselves this, what did Jesus keep? I think we'll have to say He gave everything. He doesn't require everything except everything to Him by keeping His commandments. But He gave everything. And so as we look at the giving, may our hearts and our minds be in such a state that we want to give because it's a blessing. We want to give because it's needed actually to support people not only here but also abroad. And those people will subsequently support those who are outside of Christ. And it's just a great, great blessing to everybody, including the church. So let us bow our heads and say, Thank you, Father, for what you give us. And thank you, Father, for taking care of our needs. And thank you, Father, for Jesus, who has given everything. Bless these gifts this morning. And bless these people who use it for the furthering of your kingdom here and abroad. In Jesus' name, amen. Aaron was supposed to sing this morning, but uh, he's at home uh, passing a kidney stone. So uh, we're going to improvise. I thought he was a woman. Come on. If you've ever passed a kidney stone, you know that that's not true. <laughs> but uh, we're going to try to improvise and sing a song that's uh, a fun song to do, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. So, Phyllis, where'd you go? 554. Phyllis. Come play for us. I'll fly away. I'll fly away. You don't even need the words. Come. <laughs> you can do it. Oh, 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 oh,
we do have a lot of fun with our music and with our singing and well it is great stuff we want to move into our time of prayer this morning so if you would find your uh, prayer room sheet in your bulletin please and I want to mention a few of those specifically to you in fact I'll come down here to do that under the cancer list about uh, halfway down you'll see Bill Sharp and uh, this was Carrie's grandfather he passed away this week so uh, or as the Salvation Army says he graduated so and been promoted <clears throat> so would you uh, make note of that and pray for Bill's family <clears throat> at this time of loss uh, for them um, talked with Billy Goat this week and uh, the surgery went good and he says very very sore of course but uh, keep him in your prayers as he recovers from, uh, they removed some cancer from the uh, bottom uh, part of his ear area. Uh, Dorothy Brandstetter, uh, continue to pray for her. I have not got an updated report. Janice, have you had a chance to talk with her since she had a checkup Friday by chance? Okay, <clears throat> no problem. She's, uh, but keep Dorothy in your prayers. We're hoping that she won't have to have surgery on her wrist. And uh, so when she broke it, so keep her in your prayers. Uh, Carrie Bowman is about 10 days out from scheduled delivery of the baby. So uh, as hot as it's getting, and I'm sure as miserable as she feels, uh, extra prayer for Craig probably is in order as well. So uh, keep uh, that whole crew uh, in prayer if you would please. Uh, Diane, Diane Barnes' mom, Savera Hadley, uh, went home from the hospital, and they're going to do some... Uh, light <clears throat> chemo treatments uh, the the uh, biopsies came back and she does have cancer uh, that is on her liver and so be praying for her <clears throat> and those treatments that they would uh, be effective in her life and uh, I want to especially ask you to pray for Janelle she's got uh, trying to get her house uh, situated and kind of picked up and cleaned up and spruced up uh, so she could sell the house and then she and her daughter uh, are going to Liz are going to move over to Arkansas and they're going to tend to uh, John's mother and her uh, uh, last years here. So uh, be praying for Janelle that all that kind of falls into place and does what it needs to do. And uh, 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 she appreciates those prayers. I know she does. Are there any others we need to mention this morning? Yes. Um, you know how I thought I had stress Yes. So, she doesn't have a stress fracture in her leg, but it's leg trauma, because you run too much. You can overtrain. I have read that. I have discovered that. I'm a living example of a, of, of a not overtrained person. <laughs> now, don't go to my extreme. But praise the Lord, it's not a stress fracture in her leg. So that hopefully will heal and, and just they stay off of it for not running and that kind of thing. Good. So praise the Lord. Hopefully that will heal soon. Any Anyone else we need to mention this morning? Yes. Let me get Pat's and then I, then I want that praise report. Yes, ma'am, Pat. Okay. 
Well, he's not treating his mother good. That's, I'm sure that's what it is. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing you. It's really a precarious thing because they're just not really sure if I understand. Isn't that something? <clears throat> it's kind of like he has an infection. Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's keep Donnie on our prayers for sure. Uh, they had the surgery and that all seemed to go well, but now there's a recur- this is a new thing that's uh, showing up, so we'll be praying for him. All right. Are there any other prayer needs that we need to mention? Yes. All right. And that's your sister? Okay. Let's pray for his sister and the five children that they grow up to know the Lord and find Jesus. That's excellent prayer. Are there any others? Because I want Geneva to have a few minutes of praise report. All right, Sister Geneva. Come on, testify. I'm really excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Hold it, it, you know, she wasn't expected to live 24 hours. Ethan, I'm going to use Dan's. Well, so they can hear you. This and is good. This, this is too good to pass up. Is it on? It, it should be. They'll get it. Okay. They told us that uh, she probably would not live 24 hours. And so I, we began to pray. And uh, the week before, she had surgery two weeks prior to that. And the week before, all I, every time I called her, she'd tell me she didn't want to be a burden. And uh, so I prayed that the Lord would either uh, let her go home or restore her completely. And Monday night, you know, when I talked to her, uh, she responded a little bit, but you could barely understand her. But the thing that I'm so excited about, Friday at 12, they moved her to rehab. She's talking clearly. I don't know how bad it, it hit the right side, so I don't know what her mobility is now, but I know full recovery is coming because I know God is doing that. And her first words to me Friday, uh, when I called, her cousin was with her, and she said she can talk to you. And she said, hi, Nene, that's my nickname. She said, do you know my Jesus? And I said, yes, I do. So I believe she is really going to uh, have a testimony and... As soon as she's able, she plans to come. So I hope that you'll all get to meet her and hear about all this because she's she really was given up by a lot of people. But uh, the doctors looked at the MRI and they said they don't understand this. I said they don't know our doctor. That's right. They don't know our doctor. Amen. 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 I just Amen. want to give him praise. Amen. Amen. That's great. Praise Amen. the Lord. <clears throat> There's just so many. God is doing so many incredible things. And... We need to be aware of what He's doing in around us and through us and to us. And hallelujah. Also in your bulletin is a yellow uh, calendar. That calendar we're going to put out for you each month from now through November is for our missionary convention. Uh, I, I believe it's in Cincinnati. Yes, in Cincinnati this year. It is will be in Tulsa next year. In 2008 it will be back in Tulsa. This is an opportunity for us to pray, and every day there's a name that's on here and what they're doing. They're either a displayer or they're leading a workshop. And so would you take a moment each day, post this somewhere, and then individually or as a family, just kind of have a prayer for this person that God will use them in the capacity that they will be leading uh, or teaching at the National Missionary Convention uh, coming up in Cincinnati. Uh, again, when they come here, last time they were here, 
is when we were introduced to A.J. Law. If you remember that, some of you were here then, and A.J. came and spoke at our church, and uh, that has really changed our church since he was here. And we've done some wonderful things, the dedication of the building for Emmanuel and uh, so forth. So there's just a lot, praise the Lord, going on. And uh, But I want you to have this, this prayer reminder each day to be praying uh, for, for uh, uh, the missionary convention. And I want to mention to you the uh, benevolent offering that you, uh, you gave this morning was $395. The leadership have added to that $155 to make it $550. Uh, that's a tremendous gift. And thank you on behalf of the family who will receive this. And thank you so much for your generosity uh, towards helping them. And that's what the body of Christ looks like. And thank you ahead of time. Would you pray with me just now? Father, we, we do praise you and rejoice with you uh, over this offering and how it will be of great help to uh, a family in need. Father, I also am grateful for uh, the, the requests that have been mentioned, grateful that Miranda's leg is uh, not as severely injured as uh, thought at first, and pray that uh, through some uh, rest that uh, she will have complete healing in her leg, and we pray for that. Uh, we pray for Brother Donnie, Lord, that you would just touch his body. Thank you for bringing him through the surgery. But now there's a new uh, uh, situation that's arisen. And would you, uh, Father, touch him and bring healing to his body. Uh, Lord, they're, they're, he's baffled. The doctors are baffled. So they need your intervention. We need your, your supernatural power to touch them. Would you be with Janelle as she's making preparations and plans to relocate? And, Father, we uh, ask a special blessing on her life. Uh, also, uh, Brent Moore is here this morning, and his family is uh, getting to relocate, uh, beginning to relocate from Florida back here to Tulsa, and uh, we're grateful that they are here. They were here seven years ago in our church, and uh, grateful that he's here again today. And Father, we just need a special supernatural touch of your spirit today to move through our church. And Father, I, I ask and pray that you'll blow a fresh wind of your spirit upon us. Father, thank you for the tremendous uh, testimony that Geneva gave of her friend and how you responded in her life. And uh, Father, what a testimony for her to say, Nene, do you know my Jesus? Because Father, that's really the essence of why we're here, is to be a witness and a testimony. No matter how we find ourselves, we must be a witness and a testimony to others of the power of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I also pray for my wife, Cindy. Uh, she's uh, come down with a a rash or an itch problem that just cannot go away. So, Father, we just pray that uh, today she will find some comfort from that and some relief from that. And, uh, Lord, there's some swelling attached to it. It's just been uh, terrible for the last few days. And I just pray, Lord, that you will bring healing to my wife, Cindy. And, and uh, Lord, I thank you for that. Be with Carrie as she's uh, getting ready to deliver her baby. And I pray a special blessing upon her and upon Dorothy Brandstetter, upon Doy, and just all of those folks on our list. Lord, would you just answer those needs and touch them in a very, very special way. And we pray that in Jesus' name and all God's people say.
team do a great job today? I tell you, I just, just appreciate them very much. It's time for Junior Church for you to head out back to the back with Ethan's waiting on you. All right. Also, I should have mentioned, I guess, without saying it, but do pray for Aaron uh, Hearn this morning. What a, it's a tremendously painful uh, situation to be in. So uh, keep him in your prayers. And he has an ongoing struggle with kidney stone. Am I saying that right? That he has an ongoing struggle. He has an acid thing in his body, and it creates those stones. And, boy, they're, it's terrible. It's terrible. So keep him in your prayers. If you have your Bibles, hold those up. If you don't have one, grab one out of the pew and let's join together. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. And here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, would you speak to me? In Jesus' name, amen. Give a high five or pound your neighbor there if you would, please. I have on the screen the ball diamond that you see every week, and I want to just again uh, bring some mention to of that to you. Uh, we are, as Christians, we are to do what? As the center of our life, the ball diamond representing our life, what is the center thing that we should do with our life? Say it out loud. Magnify God. To magnify God means that He is preeminent. To magnify God means that He's more important than anything else that we deal with, anybody else that we, we deal with, anything we think, say, or whatever. He is to be magnified. In order for Him to be magnified, my life has to demonstrate certain things that make Him be glorified. The first one is knowing Christ. We want people, this church wants people to know Christ. And then that will lead them, hopefully, to membership, not only with this church, but with the body of Christ. That's the important issue, that they become members of the body of Christ. Because life is, we relocate. Uh, we sometimes are here, and then sometimes we're there, and wherever we are, we identify through membership, we're the local body of believers. But our ultimate goal in first base is to know Christ as our Savior, as our Master, as our Lord. From there, then, we need to go on to second base. We need to grow in Christ toward what's second base? Maturity. We need to grow from membership to maturity. And we need to grow in our walk with Christ. We need to understand what that growing means. We need to understand prayer. We need to understand Bible study, how that fits into our life. And beginning this fall, we're going to have classes related to these things. I hope that you'll jump in and get involved in these. From second base to third base, we want you to serve Christ. We want to teach you how to serve Christ. Dan's doing a tremendous job in Sunday school related to getting to know the will of God in our life. And part of that is developing and learning, first of all, the spiritual gift that God has blessed you with, and from that, then putting that into service and in ministry within the body of Christ. But we want you to learn that and serve Christ and move from maturity then to third base? Go ahead. Ministry. Very good. Because ministry is when you begin to exercise 
the gifts that God has given you in your spiritual walk. And then to complete the base running, we want from third base to home base, we want you to learn to share Christ, and that will give you what? Missions. Now, we've often thought of missions as being uh, foreign missions, things away from us. But I believe that missions can be right in your back door. Right next door. Missions can be helping Janelle getting her house ready. And she's all for that. <laughs> well, several of you have uh, hired, so to speak, some of our teenagers. And uh, I asked Brother Lou, he had a couple of them out there. He said, boy, I worked them, preacher. I worked them. And they're here today, but they're both, they're both dragging today, so he must have worked them. Best slaves you've ever had. Hallelujah. Well, as they say, it costs you. No, <laughs> No. But the praise the Lord, those things happen. People come and they serve. And that's what needs to happen within the body of Christ, within the church here. There are things that need to be done all the time here. There's flower beds that need to be weeded. Uh, our playground has grass that's just completely grown up and taken over. Uh, we need your help out there. Maybe you could take an afternoon and just come and pull the grass up out of the, out of the rocks. What a tremendous blessing that would be. Uh, we're starting to get that we're going to be calling out to help, you know, take the pews up and move the, move the carpet and tear it out and all those things. We, we've got to get that done. And it'll take manpower. So there'll be places and ways that you can serve and be a part of things. So I just want to encourage you to look around you, see what needs to be done. Don't wait to be told. Come and say, hey, I'm ready to do that. Roll up your sleeves and let's do it together. And that's what this will help us do. This is what River Oaks should look like. And we'll be, we'll be at different phases of this ball field, won't we? All of us are. You could be a Christian for a number of years and still still be at first base. Does that make sense? But what we want to encourage you to do is to move off of that. And so we want to teach you how to get from one to two, from two to three, from three to four, and then you sharing that, that cycle with other people. It's important. Part of that, and part of that growing nature in Christ, and part of that ministry in Christ is what I want to start today talking to you about for the next several weeks. I want to talk to you about prayer. God, in, in, his, in his way, has been dealing with me related to prayer. You know, God does that, doesn't he? We will kind of cruise along thinking we've got it all together. And I believe in prayer. I've talked to you about prayer. And, but God's been impressing on me and what kind of praying are you doing? Are you really praying? Are you just kind of saying words and not really expecting much power from the words that you say? See, one of the things that Geneva didn't say to you is that we began Tuesday, three of us began to pray Tuesday for her friend in Louisiana because it looked bleak. The doctors had said, I don't know that she's going to make it. So we just began to pray. We, be, we agreed in prayer to claim the healing in this woman and ask God to bring healing to this woman. And then for her to be able to stand today and testify, she called me the next day because she talked to her friend who then talked to her on the phone. Whoa, hello. And like the doctors are saying, because of the type of stroke she's had and when they look at the MRIs, she shouldn't be able to function this way. That's what I love about God. 
He takes our knowledge and our wisdom and confounds it every time. I love that, don't you? It's fun when he does it. Now, we need to also be understanding and, and, and understand about corporate prayer. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about our church. And I've talked about it over the years, being your minister here, about being a church, a praying church. And I've had people challenge me about it. Well, you're saying I don't pray. That isn't what I said at all. Usually if you get real defensive about an issue, you're probably not doing it anyway. You know, people that complain about the preacher preaches too much on giving. They're probably people that don't give. Well, you talk too much about evangelism. Well, you've never been a soul winner yourself. You see what I'm saying? We tend to criticize things that we're not even involved in. So hear me out on prayer and hear me out on this corporate prayer because I want to challenge you. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm kind of on a mission about it because God is dealing with me about it. And uh, I have a, a, an individual that leaves every Sunday and they talk about how I'm stepping on their toes. And while I appreciate that statement, you've got to understand that I can't step on your toes unless mine have been crushed already. And so God is crushing my heart about prayer and about a power source that you and I have not tapped into as a church that I believe we need to look at and be, be, be considered of. And, and I bring this up for three reasons. Number one is corporate prayers on a par with preaching and teaching as a priority in a healthy church. You got a healthy church? You got a church that's a praying church. I want to take one of the walls of my office and I'm going to, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put paper all over it and it's going to become a prayer wall. And on Sunday, through the week, when you have a prayer need, a prayer that you want, I want you to come and write it on the wall. Because I want to be agreeing with you in prayer about the need that you have. And you come write it on that wall. Date it, and then we're going to watch God answer those prayers. Now let's just see what happens. And if any of you want to help me cover my wall with paper, I would, I would sure love to have your help. I'm not a good paper hanger. <laughs> I'm just going to hang kind of butcher paper anyway, so it shouldn't be a big deal. But I just want you to come and, and, and see if you'll help me with that. I thought about not writing, putting any paper up there and we'll just write on the wall. <laughs> and we still may do that. I don't know. But let's see what God can do if His church has come and comes together to pray. Secondly, praying together is a vital key to opening God's presence and work among His people in unique ways. And then the third reason that I want to bring up this issue of praying together is the tendency among believers, even those who are in leadership, and I must, I must confess to you, I have found myself in this position. The tendency is to think of prayer meetings, prayer gatherings, as an extracurricular activity. When it ought to be and should be one of the main focal points of who we are. When you go to Acts chapter 2 and you look at the church and it described the church, it describes it in what I call four pillars. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and what's the fourth one? In prayer. They were a praying church. And so River Oaks needs to develop a heart of prayer as a church. 
We need to be able to come together as a church. You have shown yourself of what you are as the character of a church by the offering you took up just this morning. Just like that. No questions asked. You didn't ask for details. You didn't ask. You trust the leadership of this church that that need is a vital, valid need and you've responded. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for showing what Christ looks like. And the person who receives this gift will understand that. But it's good to have people that come together to pray. And I don't want to try to say and minimize the power of personal prayer. Personal prayer is important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important. But there is something incredible when a church, when a group of people come together. And I want to share with you some uh, five five things from Scripture, five proofs from Scripture uh, and, and from history that kind of back up my feeling about this as I've studied and put this together. Let, let me just launch into those. The first proof is that praying together was a priority for the apostles. Now, if you'll go to Acts chapter 6, I want us to take a look at some key passages in this, in, in this section. Acts chapter 6. In those days, as the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. Now, I want to take just a moment of time out here, break, and add a commercial. No, not quite that bad. Because the word distribution in this verse is the word diakonia. Well, that's a fancy Greek-sounding word, isn't it? And you can be impressed with my ability to even say it. What a theologically sound, deep preacher he must be. Diakonia. Simply means it's the root word of which we get our word deacon from and also servant from. Keep that in mind. Verse 2. Then the twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said it would not be right for us to give up preaching about God to wait on tables. Now, let me stop right here again. The word translated wait on or serve tables is the word diakonian. And it comes from that same root that we found in the previous verse focusing on serving other people. Now, back to that passage in verse 2. Therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. Literally, verse 4 would read, But we, to the prayer and the diakoni of the Word, will steadfastly continue. I've always heard that this meant that the apostles delegated ministry so that they then could be freed up to spend time in personal prayer and to receive a fresh word from the Lord to preach to the people. And while I still am not sure that it doesn't refer to that, I think there is a deeper meaning. God, you ever do this? You ever read a passage and go, whoa, oh! Any of you ever do that one? Because you see, we don't get it all the first time through. That's the power of the Word of God. So something new has jumped out at me from this section of Scripture. 
the apostles are not referring necessarily to the need for personal private prayer. Instead, they may be, and I think they are, talking about the ministry of mobilizing people, the people of God, to pray and to pray together. They were marking out the two ministries that they must especially do as church leaders. Now, let me kind of help you see why I've concluded that. The context of this passage revolves around ministries. Look in verse 1. It points out that there's a problem with the ministries. In verse 2, the apostles discuss what ministries they must do and the ones that they must not do. In verses 3 and 4, they instruct that seven men be identified from among the congregation to take on this ministry. But this section of Scripture is focused on ministry to people, not ministry on a personal basis. And in verse 4, there's a definite article before the prayer, and it points to something significant. The verse says, But we to the prayer and to the ministry of the Word will steadfastly continue. And it's that little word, the, in your text, and if you would underline that or highlight it, the word the that's in verse 4. Because that little word appears before prayer and it indicates that this doesn't mean prayer in general. It highlights something specific and important and the structure of the sentence creates the possibility that the ministry of prayer and the word are twin ideas. The example of the apostles in the book of Acts points to the priority of praying together. Every occurrence of prayer in Acts preceding chapter 6 pictures the apostles leading others in prayer. There's not one reference that points to their private prayer time. The focus is on God's people praying together. God's people praying together. I think that's why so many of us enjoy that... Uh, 36 hours of prayer that we do around the Easter season. Because it gives us a chance to come individually, but corporately, we're all still praying for the same thing. You see what I'm saying? And there's power in that, folks. There's great power in that. So by testimony and example, it is plain that the apostles placed a high premium on the people of God praying together. Proof number two. Praying together was modeled and practiced by Jesus. They learned. That's where the apostles learned their life of prayer was through Jesus. As you study through the Gospels and look for references, you'll find 37 verses that identified Jesus' teaching and practice of prayer. Okay? <coughs> and of those 37 verses, uh, Jesus re refers to uh, prayer... 33 of them were addressed to a plural rather than a singular audience. So in other words, Jesus' instruction was decisively leaned toward praying with others, not just praying in private. And so many people tell me, they say, well, preacher, I pray at home. I don't pray in front of people. Praise God. Praise God. But we shouldn't limit the ability of the church to pray together. We shouldn't even address it as a potential problem because it's a great opportunity. 
Matthew 7 and verse 7 says, Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. When we read the word you, we have assumed, I did, I assumed that that was a singular version of the word you. But on deeper study, I discovered that that word is actually a plural word for you. How about that? And so Jesus was encouraging and urging the believers to ask, to seek, to knock. Do we want changes in our church? Do we want changes to happen? Then as a group, we should pray for them to happen. Do we want to seek and save the lost? Then we should pray for that. We shouldn't worry. We shouldn't even worry about the numbers of people that are here today. We should be more focused on those that aren't here. We should be more concerned about the lost who don't know Jesus. We should be more concerned about those who, who really aren't here. I'm not even sure that we don't even worry about the numbers issue. But we get hung up in it because the world says you're successful if you have so many people at your church. Is that really success? I mean, there's churches that run in the thousands but are just dead in the duck. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Jesus, He could have said, if anyone asked, but instead He deliberately chose to emphasize a group gathered for prayer. He didn't talk about if anyone prays. He said, if two or more, there's a plurality. You see what I'm talking about? So when three people gather on a Tuesday and pray for a specific thing, God heard that prayer. God heard that prayer. That should encourage you. And it should encourage you to want to be a part of that. The apostles made it a practice and a priority to teach about praying with fellow believers and to practice it because they had heard and seen Jesus emphasize the same thing. Now, third proof. Praying together and the mighty moves of God in the New Testament. The book of Acts records the mighty works of God for and through His church in the early years. The 120 were gathered in Acts 1, uh, verse 13, and Acts 2, and verse 1. The 120 were gathered in an upper room praying in one accord when Pentecost comes. Acts 1, 24. The disciples prayed for wisdom in knowing who Judas's replacement should be. Acts 4.24 and verse 31, when Peter and John reported the Sanhedrin's threats, those gathered cried out to God in one accord for boldness, and the place was shaken where they prayed. But wouldn't it be fun to have the earth shake under this church because of the prayers that are going on? Don't say it can't happen. <laughs> Don't say it can't happen. Acts 6 and verse 6, the church prayed over the seven men appointed to serve the widows. Acts 12, 1-11, after James was martyred and Peter imprisoned by Herod, the church was fervently praying and God miraculously delivered Peter from his cell. Acts 13, 1-2, while the prophets and teachers were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas to go on the first missionary journey. You know, do we want to be a mission church? Do we want to reach the lost around the world? Man, we're doing a pretty good job. We've done a tremendous job just in, the, just in one man's life, Emmanuel Namro. Church of nothing to a church of over 300 in less than five years. Hello. Hello. That's an extension of River Oaks Christian Church in Jinx, Oklahoma. Did you know that? Three million tracks 
mailed out from Spanish American Evangelistic Ministries in El Paso. That's an extension of you to the world. People coming to Christ. How does that happen? Because of your generosity, because of your commitment, because of your steadfastness. Acts 20, uh, 16, 25. Paul and Silas praying. God sent an earthquake that results in the conversion of the jailer and their release. I'm not disapproving personal private prayer. Please hear me. I'm not doing that. I'm not disapproving of that. Ananias was praying alone when God instructed him to go to Saul. In Acts 9 and verse 10. Peter was alone on the rooftop when he had his famous vision leading him to share the gospel with the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, verse 9. But the majority of God's recorded workings came when His people prayed together. Oh, there's something powerful about coming together in agreement in prayer. Fourth proof is the corporate prayer in God's mighty works in past history. There are so many examples of how corporate prayer was the springboard for sweeping movements of God. Let me mention just a few. In 1857, America was riding the wave of a strong economy. And as tends to be true in times of prosperity, showed a radical decrease of interest in the things of God. There was a layman named Jeremiah Lamphere. And he, uh, he, his concern led to a, uh, a call for prayer. He tacked up notices in New York City calling for a weekly prayer meeting on Wednesdays from noon till one at a rented space on Fulton Street. The first prayer meeting was on September 23, 1857. Only six people came and they didn't arrive until just before 1230. The next week the attendance jumped to 20. The numbers continued to climb week by week. Then on October 10th, the stock market crashed and financial panic ensued. Trouble had its humbling effect and the hearts of many turned to spiritual matters. And it wasn't long until somewhere between 10 and 50,000 businessmen were meeting every day in New York City to pray at noon. By week 15, the meetings moved from weekly to daily. In 1858, this prayer movement leaped to every major city in America and the Second Great Awakening swept our land. Estimates are that a million Americans out of a population of 30 million at that time were converted in less than two years. And it all started with prayer. Reese Howells, a Welsh coal miner, journeyed to South Africa as a missionary in 1910 in response to an increasing burden from the Lord. Six weeks after arriving, he joined in a prayer meeting. Out of that came the sweeping work of the Holy Spirit in which they had two revival meetings a day for 15 months and all day on Friday. Thousands were converted as a result of Reese Howell's influence. Proof number five, praying together and God's work today. The gospel is sweeping right now the globe at a rate that is unimaginable. Avery Willis, and that may be a name some of you recognize, he, he's the one that wrote uh, our Master Life material that we use. Avery Willis, a Southern Baptist, don't hold that against him. Avery Willis now is Vice President of their Missionary Board, their International Missionary Board for the Southern Baptist Convention. (coughs) 
And he's reported that statistically most of the people who have ever been saved in history were saved during the 20th century. Now hang with me here. Avery Willis suggests as high as 70% of the total number of people who have been saved throughout world history have come to Christ in the last 100 years. But get this. 70% of that number has been saved since 1945. Let me boggle your mind with an, another layer of observation from Avery Willis. 70% of those saved since 1945 were saved since 1990. That's how fast the gospel is storming our world. Oh. And it means that at the turn of the 21st century, possibly one-third of all Christians who have ever lived have been converted since 1990. What does that really look like? In Nepal, just 2,000 Christians were known in 1990. Ten years later, that number had grown to half a million. Cambodia claimed only 600 believers in 1990. There is a reported 60,000 today. In Korea, during the 20th century, the country advanced from being 2% Christian to about 40% Christian today. East Africa is experiencing one of the greatest movements of God in history. In Uganda, alone, HIV and AIDS once claimed the lives of one-third of the population. The World Health Organization predicted the complete collapse of the Ugandan economy by the year 2000. But revival has come to that country. And with the salvation of many has come a transformation in morals so that AIDS is now down to 5%. So great is this revival that one church alone went from 7 in attendance to an average of 2,000 in just 2 weeks. Currently, that same church has a, has a membership of 22,000 and has planted 150 other churches. Woo! Woo! Boy, that ought to get an amen out of you somewhere. That ought to get a how! I can't do it as good as Brother Dudley does, but I'm telling you. You got to be raised Cajun to do that. How? They they know how to do that. How? I just like to listen to him say it. But in every quarter of the globe, Christianity is advancing, except in four primary areas: North America, Japan, Australia, and Western Europe. And guess what? One common denominator is everywhere Christianity marches forward. Christians, Christians spend time praying together. Track what God is doing in Korea, in China, in India, in Eastern Africa, and you will find behind the scenes prayer meetings. Emmanuel, what a story, folks. We've got his testimony posted on the wall so you won't ever forget it. When he graduated from Bible study school with A.J. 
in Central India Christian Mission. Every evangelist then is told to go find a village where there's not a church and start one. So Emmanuel and his wife go to this village and they try to start a church among Hindus and extremists and those that believe in Islam. They're trying to start a church of Jesus Christ in a community like that. And you know the story. He gets to preaching and the extremists rise up against him and they tell him to shut up and he won't. His wife is nine months pregnant. They take him outside the town. They tie him to a tree after they've beat the talk out of him. They take his wife in front of him and rape her in front of him. Then they untie him and say, Now, get out! His testimony is on the wall. He goes over to his wife to tend to her. And he says to her, Well, honey, I guess we should leave. And she looks at him after the brutality that was placed on her, being nine months pregnant. And she says, Only if you don't believe what you've been preaching. Their baby was born the next day. And they named their baby Rejoice. And today, you saw the pictures of the dedicated church building that you, you, you helped build. And you saw those hands up in the air, didn't you? And you saw those smiles on their face. Because over three Hundred people have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Left Hinduism. Left Islam. And have come to Jesus Christ because of one itinerant preacher and his wife who had the audacity to stand for God. Oh, that we would have a church they would have the audacity to stand for God. As the worship team comes back to help me close. I know what you're thinking. It's the same thing I thought. Well, man, our, our prayer meetings we have, they don't have any resemblance to this kind of power. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Because when we call for a prayer meeting, I'm lucky to get two. I'm lucky to get one. And then we sat around at that meeting just kind of talk. And then we kind of do a token prayer as we go on. That strategy's got to change. That strategy's got to change. This country is going to hell in a handbasket. I hope I didn't offend you by saying that. This country is going to hell in a handbasket. Why? Because Christians have shut up. We've got to get back touching the power source that helps us be the winner. Jesus is ready. God is ready. Now the question is, are you ready? Are you ready? And as we begin to lay out new strategies of our prayer meetings and prayer emphasis in the church, I want to ask you and encourage you to start today 
to be a change agent in what God does at this church. Father, we just ask you right now, this morning, to touch each and every person. God, we need you to touch them in such a way that they feel the presence of your Spirit. That, Father, they will just kind of shake for a minute and realize that they've got to do some things different. They've got to They've got to be people of prayer. And God, we've got to be a church of prayer. And so, Father, I'm going to ask you to just move in the hearts of your people this morning. They're going to leave here having made a decision about prayer and about the corporateness of that prayer and their personal involvement in that prayer. On one hand, they, could, they may be tremendous closet prayers and they pray with all of their heart at home and God I am so grateful for them because I know they do that because I feel that prayer as their pastor because so often within some time within that prayer time of their life and personal life I mentioned and I thank you for their love and I thank you for their encouragement but God we've got to take it out of the closet and we've got to bring it to the church house and we've got to be specific and begin to pray. And then we'll watch you in amazement do far beyond, exceedingly far beyond what we could ever hope or dream. So Lord, today, maybe there would be one here who's been touched by the message, who never has never known you as their Savior. We'd love the opportunity to talk with them and teach them so they would understand what that decision means. There's maybe someone here that they've been a Christian for a number of years and just need to have a kind of revival move in their life. God, I pray that they'd let us know that so we could be an encouragement to them. Father, there may be some here that just need a church home. They, they want to make this church their home. Hallelujah. We're not perfect. But we're forgiven and we're going to do our best, Father, to love people the way your son Jesus loves people. So, Father, whatever decision may be, need to be made, whatever burden might be carried in the hearts of your people this morning, would you meet them and reach them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing as Dan leads us in our song.
Uh, come tonight, uh, 536 out at Stephen Shelley's. It's a great time to fellowship. And uh, we'll have some hamburgers and hot dogs and just uh, all the rest of the stuff. It's just a fun time, fun time. And uh, uh, great, great fellowship. So I hope you'll come and be part of that. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, we'll have our uh, Wednesday gathering this Wednesday night here at the church. I sure encourage you to come back and be a part of that. And uh, we, we'd love to have you. And uh, uh, I think that's about all the announcements. Anybody got an announcement we need to mention? Thank you for your generosity and outreach this morning. Uh, we're looking forward to the blessing of family, and uh, we just pray God's blessing in your life as well. All right. Uh, Brother Lou, I think you have a closing prayer this morning, if you would, please. Instead of singing this song, we're going to go into one that you know better that we did earlier in the service. And here's what you can say to them when, uh, when, when you wonder, you know, how many ever done, done that? You know that they need to hear something, but you don't really know what to say? Well, here, here's your answer right here. Well, some glad man, when you start to Just like the blues, just like the blues, here we go. I'll fly away. I ain't know what to say, no more excuses, right? I expect a lot more people in here next Sunday, right? This guy's crazy, I want to see what happens.